Good morning, South Shore. It is so good to be here with you. Um, my name is Paul. You may remember me from worship, if you're new. Um, if you're joining us from one of the circles, it's so exciting to have you in a circle today. I got to join one last week for the first time, and it was, it was really filling to be with other believers um, and to, to pray out loud with people, to be present and worship, and, and also um, to, to listen to the teaching and discuss it afterward. So if you're able to get um, into one of those circles at the moment, it's a really great way to be connected, I, and I, um, I encourage you to do so. You know, all, all summer, um, we've, we've been reading through Acts. Those of you who know me know I'm a pretty voracious reader. I love to read, and I've been reading another book at the same time as Acts um, that's about the building of a cathedral in the Middle Ages. And, and as we've been reading this, this book about the church, um, and the way that it grows, the church that we're part of and the, the heritage that we're part of, the way that it grows is through this incredible act of faith. And the community that grows um, comes out of a place of power. And while I'm reading this other book, I'm reading all of the politics and the money that goes into it, all of the logistics and the things that are, um, that are challenging about the building of a, a physical building. And nowhere in the pages that I'm reading is there any talk about faith or the community that's growing and their spirituality. It's all about the superficial parts of it. Um, and so it's been really encouraging to reread Acts with fresh eyes through that. And I want to pray for us today that we would see the real heart of what God is doing and the kind of community that he's building in the story that we're reading. Before we read, I want to pray for us so that you might also feel that you're reading with fresh eyes today as we read Acts 5. Would you bow your head with me? Lord God, I thank you for the opportunity to be present with your word, to be present um, in the reading of your inspired word as our friend Katie Gilson reads for us Acts 5 today, um, both in the challenging stories and the ones that are, um, that are showing victory. God, we, we can see your fingerprints over everything. And so, Lord, I ask that, um, that we would have fresh eyes and open hearts today to hear how you are speaking and how you're breathing into your word May it be brand new, born again today in our hearts, and let us receive it so that we might, um, we might grow through it and see what you are speaking as we read. Amen. So um, as, I, as I was just praying, Katie Gilson's going to read Acts 5. If you have your Bibles, open them on up. Um, and you can also watch um, on your phone. There's some great Bible apps. But follow along with us today as we read Acts 5 together. I'm Katie Gilson, and I'm going to read Acts chapter 5. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. 
When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died, and great fear seized all who heard of what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened, and Peter asked her, Tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, How could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in, and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared to join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats, so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. Then the high priest and all of his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord appeared, opened the doors of the jail, and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assemble of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there, so they went back and reported, We found the jail securely locked, with the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Then someone said, Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. And at that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things. So is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put him to the death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin, Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Thetis appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, all of his followers were dispersed, and it came to nothing. After him, Judas... The Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all of his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go, for their purpose or activity is of human origin. It will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin, rejoining, rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name.
Day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Thank you, Katie, for reading that. Uh, so there's a lot going on here. Chapter 5 is kind of a long chapter, and there's, there's quite a bit um, that's it's actually kind of troubling in this chapter, if you read it. And for, for those of you who, if this is the first time reading Acts 5, I, I want to address some of that, that difficulty. But, but before I do that, let's take things back a little bit, zoom out, and look at the whole structure of what's going on here. From Acts 4 through Acts 5, um, there is a, there's a kind of structure to the way that God is moving and what kind of community he's building. Um, as we were reading Acts 4 last week, there were a couple of really great verses that are describing what God is doing and the community that he's building. Um, Acts 4, 32 and 35 talks about the believers being one in mind and heart. It talks about how selfishness is not part of their community and how um, the apostles are giving powerful testimonies. They're telling, in other words, they're telling stories about and arguing for what uh, Jesus Christ has done by dying on the cross and being resurrected. So they're, they're speaking with a new boldness. They're speaking um, and they're healing out of a place of power that's coming from, in Acts 2, the, the Holy Spirit that was given to them at Pentecost. So um, if, you're, if you're still unfamiliar with what the Holy Spirit is, that is the kind of the, the spirit arm of the Trinity. It's the God that lives in us when we believe. And in Acts 2, that's given to the believers, and it causes this incredible growth and a movement um, of what I'm going to say is power. Later in Acts 5, which we just read, in verses 12, 14, and 16, it, it paints an even larger picture. The writer, Luke, is painting a picture of a community that, um, that is beginning to display signs and wonders. So the apostles or the believers are, um, through the Spirit, exhibiting signs and wonders like miracles of healing and of prophecy, things like that. Um, and they're gathering together not to have church with, um, with worship music and a sermon, things like that, but they're gathering at the temple. So they're gathering with one purpose uh, of telling the truth about what they've experienced in Jesus and the truth of what they're experiencing in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is this incredible shift in the culture of Judaism from uh, a movement of very heavy tradition and symbolism and a long, long story of God's redemption of his people into a new movement of that story. And it's a shift where the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God, is coming down and resting upon his people. Um, in the Old Testament, when God rests on his people, um, he does it in the temple. And he does that in a way where, where it talks about it, even in the Psalms, about heaven meeting earth. And that's, that's thought of as a kind of, a kind of literal thing, that heaven and earth collide in the temple. What we're seeing from Acts 2 forward is that heaven and earth meeting in the temple is actually happening in the hearts of the believers. That those who believe and listen to the word, um, and it, it sometimes says obey what the Lord is saying, become one with heaven in their hearts. And that's what's motivating this incredible movement and this incredible culture. Um, furthermore, right before we get into Acts 5, there's, there's also a giving culture. So it says, actually, that there's, there's no one who has any need in the community. So those who are poor are given to because people in the community are starting to sell their, uh, sell their belongings, sell their property and their houses 
which is a huge deal in uh, the Roman occupation and the world of the time of Jesus. It's a huge deal to be landed, to have land, similar to now. It's a huge deal to have a house. But then that was also part of your, your, um, your political structure and your hierarchy in society. So for them to give that up is a big thing. Um, and as we know, those of you who have been walking in faith for a long time, when something incredible is happening in faith, Satan loves to tear that apart. And so what we see is two ways that Satan, um, that Satan is going to try and tear apart what's going on in this, this growing, burgeoning community. And I want to talk about those two things, and then I want to talk about how God responds to those, and really what's at the heart of that, which is that God is, is uh, relentless in building what he wants to build, and he's relentless in his promises. So um, if you'll turn with me to uh, the second half of chapter 5, there's this incredible story that we see here. It's almost unbelievable of um, how the high priests and the officials lock up the apostles and they put them in a prison. This is the first way that Satan loves to tear things down. He does it from the outside in. So from the outside, the, the officials who are sort of the mainstream in Judaism decide that they need to clamp down on what's going on here because Satan loves to stop the truth when it's spreading. Uh, so the religious leaders lock up the apostles and they put them in a prison and they tell them, um, and this also happened in chapter four, but they, they, uh, they tell them that you need to stop preaching this word because they're trying to, to clamp down on what they see as heresy or something that doesn't belong in the Jewish, the Jewish faith. Um, what they don't see is what God is doing and the kind of truth that he's spreading because one thing that the, the Holy Spirit does when it lands on us is it gives us a greater understanding and a wisdom to see scripture for what it really is and to see what God is saying. The other way that Satan loves to tear us apart and tear apart our, our growing community and the church is from the inside out. So this is where we're going to address that little, that little elephant in the room, the Ananias and Sapphira story. So this is a challenging one, for sure. If you read any commentaries on it, um, it's, it's a difficult story. It's a difficult judgment. And uh, even, even reading this again fresh, I have a hard time sometimes with reading the judgment that, that comes down on this couple. This is a husband and wife who, um, just after Barnabas in chapter 4 sells his land and gives it to the, the church, they come in and, and do the same thing, but they, they keep some of the money for profit. And they, they lie to the church, and they tell them that uh, I only am, am giving this, this much money. Or they tell the church, this is everything that was sold. But secretly, between the two of them, they conspire to keep some of that money back. Um, and in both of these stories, Satan is trying to tear apart what God is doing in this community. Because it, it, is, it is a huge move, and it's a cataclysmic shift and a paradigm shift for what Judaism was and is now becoming, which is Christianity. God's response in both of these things is to take what was meant for evil and to turn it into good. And in both of these things, God shows us um, that when Satan wants to minimize the supernatural elements of our faith movement, that God's answer is to show us that he didn't come to make us look holy. He came to fill us with holiness. In the first part, from the outside in, what God does is he, um, he sends an angel that releases the disciples out of, uh, out of the prison and immediately tells them, 
go and keep preaching, which we read today. So no matter what Satan tries to do when he locks up the truth, when God wants truth to get out, when God wants his movement to move, he's going to do it. And he's going to unleash what he needs to unleash to get, to get that truth out there. The second story, Ananias and Sapphira, from the inside out, when this kind of move, um, when this kind of attack comes, God's answer to this is to expose the lie and to expose the superficial understanding um, and the surface level holiness of what the, this couple is doing. And when he exposes them, there's a fear of the Lord. This doesn't mean that, the, that uh, all the believers there are frightened and, like, and, and really, really scared. It means that they understand the gravity of the holiness of what's going on in this situation. They understand the gravity of who God is and what he said he's going to do. In both of these things, God is showing how much he cares for and is relentlessly pursuing us and, uh, and our relationship with him as heaven meets earth in us. He really, really, truly desires to transform his church, to transform believers. He brings redemption, and there's nothing that Satan can throw at him to take that away. There's this incredible quote uh, toward the end where the religious leader Gamaliel identifies something that's going on here too. And he says in verse um, 38 and 39, I say to you, stay away from these men and, men and let them alone. For if this plan or action is of men, it will be overthrown. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them, or else you may even be found to be fighting against God. Now, a lot of times, we have a lot of schemes. I know this is true for my, my life. There are a lot of ways in which I've tried to plan out how I'm going to serve the Lord. I've told this story before, but I had a really strong sense of how I was going to serve God through my career. And there was a period of time a couple years ago where God totally upended that because he needed to show me that it wasn't about how I designed what I wanted to do and, what I, and how I had designed how uh, he was going to move through me. He needed to be the one to define that. Um, and, and what's key in that is that the movement of God isn't going to come from me as a, as a human being saying, this is how God moves. It's going to come from a place of power. It's going to come from an unstoppable force of the power of God. And that's a really, really incredible um, and, and transformative thing, particularly after um, all of the story of the Old Testament that leads up to this. It's, it's um, beautiful that God continually uses people for his movement, but he does it through a place of power. C.S. Lewis says, Christianity, if false, is, one, is of no importance, and if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. It's really, um, it's really easy sometimes to fill, fit into a, um, a kind of rut of, of just being okay with going to church on Sundays. There are periods of my life where I do the same thing where I, I confess that I fall into just believing that um, it's okay to just go to church on Sundays and everything else is separate. But if we look at the story of what God's building here, that in both of these challenges that Satan throws at him in Acts chapter 5, there, um, there is something larger that God wants to do. There's something larger that God wants to do that's more than just going to church. It's that when the believers are filled with one mind and spirit, 
they don't need a, an action plan or a strategic committee to tell them what, what needs to happen next. They, they are to go and to spread the truth. That God can't, um, God can't be stopped when his truth wants to get out. And that, um, that even if we fall into that rut sometimes, God is so faithful to bring us back into a place where we're filled with the Holy Spirit and knowing what our purpose is and how we're supposed to move forward. And I've been praying beyond just all week, but as I've been preparing this sermon, for those of us who, who are sort of um, falling into a place where, where this is just about kind of rote repetition, I, the more people I talk to, I've been able to start a, um, a prayer team uh, with some of my coworkers. And the more people I talk to, the more I re- I'm recognizing that one of the greatest effects that Satan has thrown at us in the midst of this, um, this pandemic and the quarantine is the kind of fatigue and the, the, the distance from God that a lot of people feel. More people than, than I care to admit are feeling this sort of numbness with God. And I confess, I've been feeling that too. I think this is a, a huge opportunity right now to pray for power. And I want to take that opportunity for us today. Um, the other thing I think that's being presented here is, uh, is the idea that God didn't come to just make us look holy, but to fill us with holiness. So today, if your understanding of Christianity has been that um, that. Christianity is just a series of traditions or good stories. I want to present to you that, that um, or argue that this is actually more about a movement of power that wants to take you along with it, that God is here to meet you, um, to bring heaven to earth, to show up in signs and wonders and miracles, to show up in, in words of knowledge and prophecy, to fill you so that you may go and spread the same love he has to offer you that it's more than just the goodness of tradition, which truly is good and truly is part of our, our heritage. Religion is and can be a good thing. But at the same time, it has to come from the power of God, not from what we design it to be. So if, um, if you are someone today who has just that understanding that this is just about appearing holy and living a good life, I want to pray for you to experience that power of the Holy Spirit for the first time today. So we'll enter into a bit of a time of prayer as um, I'm going to invite some of the worship team back and we're going to start just playing a little bit of music. And and I uh, would ask that if you are gathered in a group or even if you are today watching from your bed or alone, um, that you would you would lift people up in prayer in your groups or lift people up in prayer for that, that first group of people, the people who want to experience the church as something brand new for the first time um, and deeper than just the superficial. If, if you are from that group, uh, we want to pray for you today. And then we'll pray for the second group, those who want to be filled with a new sense of, of purpose and holiness, to be really filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. We're praying for, for both of you today. Would you join me in praying for these two groups? God, there's nothing that can stop you. 
There's nothing that can stop your move. When we sing songs like Waymaker, we sing songs like Holy Spirit, or Sea of Victory, there, there, there are these words that remind us that you're a God that moves greatly and moves with power. That you are more than just a God that meets us on Sundays to fill us with good thoughts. But you're a God that wants to transform every moment of our lives. So if there's anyone here today, this is maybe your first time watching a church service in one of these circles, um, or you're just tuning in and you've never, you've never tried out a church before, if you're new to our community, or if you're brand new to the, the faith at all, um, I want to pray for you that you, would, um, that you would be filled today with a new understanding of what God wants to do. God, would you move in power over these people today? that as they acknowledge where they're standing with you, they acknowledge that they, they may need you today, that you would be present with them to listen um, to their concerns and to remind them that you've been with them all along and you're walking alongside them and that your desire is to use them for love and to be loved. I ask in your name that they would be filled today that the Holy Spirit would come and set a fire in their souls. Fill them with joy this morning. And for that second group, those of you who are feeling kind of dry right now, as we read Acts 5 today, um, in both of these cases, there is this oppression that comes when Satan wants to keep the truth from getting out. And so as we sing Sea of Victory, We proclaim victory over that oppression and that dryness in you. God, we pray for a well of spiritual water to flow, to be lifted up, to rise up, and to bring a new filling, a new understanding of what the Holy Spirit can do and wants to do as he comes in power upon his believers. God, in in Acts, you present us with a church that sees a community growing around purpose and unity, around healing and miracles. And Lord, we know that if you've done it, you can do it again. You can build that same community here. So Lord, would you come? Holy Spirit, come. Set a fire. Amen.